The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. Without rushing through things, I want us to, to believe God to reveal something really necessary for each one of us. I love the Word. I love the Scripture. I love to get into the Scripture together because it's the power of God to save for all who believe. I mean, it's me and you. When I say save, I'm talking about God helping us out every single day of our lives. He's given us clear direction, and I want to get into the Word so that we can see more and more of that direction that He's given us. So I encourage note-taking. I like for people to write things down. You don't have to. I know people learn differently. I understand that. There's all kinds of different mentalities and personalities. But I encourage note-taking. If you have a, a piece of paper there, if you have the bulletin, you know, you can find some empty space in there somewhere. If you don't have a pen, you know, you can throw a wild elbow at your neighbor and ask if you can borrow one. Maybe they've got an extra one. But writing things down is important. Here's why I believe it's so important. We're in here and God is speaking to us through the scripture and that's a great thing. And we're in here as a group and I love that we're here together. But then there's things that God's speaking to each one of us personally that he's revealing to us because our lives are so different. We have different needs, we have different pasts, we have different presents. We have one future and that future is God doing amazing things through Jesus in our lives. So right here and right now, I want to get into the Word, but I want to encourage you to review some of the things that we hear today in your own time to see how that would apply to your life. So I want to give you a few things that we're going to look forward to. Now, we jot these things down on occasion. If you're taking notes, you can jot them down. There, there are points that we're going to find in the message, things that you might be able to look forward to, things you can anticipate and uh, believe God for if it's something that stirs in your heart. Now, one of these things is we're going to find out, uh, what's the point of being a Christian? What's the point of being a Christian? Now, that one I kind of like. I, I, I like to think that I'm kind of a bottom line guy, you know. I mean, there's a lot of fluff sometimes in the middle, but I mean, what's the bottom line? What's the point? We can come in here and we can sing the songs and pray the prayers and, and quote the scriptures and all of those things, but what's the point? What is it that God is doing and how can we apply that to our life to make sure that we don't miss the point? So we're going to find out what the point of being a Christian is. Another thing that we're going to find out is the change. The change. I mean, the change is something that we all experience as we become believers. When you become a Christian, there's a change that takes place. And I want to find out what that is. We're going to talk about that when we get to it. And then a third thing that we're going to find, a third thing that we're going to find is how to have light. Now, you may have been paying attention when we ministered to the kids here that God has given us his light for a wonderful purpose. I mean, for the purpose of not having to wonder and, and stumble around in darkness. In fact, if you read the scripture, it tells you that when we have the light of God, we don't have to be afraid. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? So we're going to find out how to have that. It's one thing to know the scripture and to quote it. It's another thing to actually have it and live it out in your lives. So we're going to get into the word this morning. I told you before, we're going to find out what's the, the point of being a Christian. Let's open with that. If you have your Bibles there, you can turn to 1 John chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 8. 
you don't have your Bible with you, you can just write it down. I want you to look it up at some point. It's very important for us. We could live our whole lives going to church and functioning in, in Christian communities, and we could miss the point if we're not careful. What's the point of being a Christian? Well, here's Jesus' outlook on that. Here's the take that Jesus had. He said these words, and they're recorded here. They're recorded here by John in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. John writes that Jesus, the Son of God, appeared for this purpose. He appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Now, as we celebrated communion, we talked about him breaking that bread and handing it out, revealing to each of us that instead of one prophet, instead of one minister of the gospel, now there are going to be many. You and I are referred to as Christians if we're found in Jesus, meaning like little Christs. We're just like Jesus because of the power of the blood of Jesus and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's a wonderful work that God has done. So if this is the purpose of Jesus Christ, when I become a Christian, this becomes my purpose. If that's the purpose of Jesus Christ, this is why Jesus appeared. It's summing everything up in this absolute point. If it's the purpose of Jesus Christ and you are a Christian, then it's your purpose now. So you can take this passage, you can write it down, you can stick it on your fridge, and you can scratch out the Son of God and just write your name. Preston appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Now some might hear that and they might sit up straight and fold their arms and that's blasphemous. No, it's not. Jesus Christ poured out his blood so that I could be purified and holy, so that I could then host the Holy Ghost just like him, so that I could function and operate in the fullness of the authority of his name. He didn't just buy me a ticket to heaven. According to the scripture, I'm seated with him in heavenly places. We're sharing the authority that God poured out on him all because it's God's perfect will. The world, as it fills with believers, is being filled with Jesus. And as for me and as for you, we can say, my purpose, the reason why I'm here, I appeared for this purpose. God ordained my birth for this purpose. He ordained my new birth, being born again for this purpose. He ordained my baptism in His Spirit for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. That's the point of Christianity. I want to give you a passage of Scripture here as we get into the Word. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. It reads like this. You are the light of the world. You're a city that's set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Now these are the words of Jesus and they're delivered to you. Now, that passage of scripture caused my, causes my brain to, to come to a screeching halt. Because I've heard Jesus say in previous passages that he's the light of the world. Like in John 8 verse 12. And I have no problem with that. Jesus were to stand right here and say, I am the light of the world, I don't think anyone would have an argument. But then when Jesus speaks here in Matthew chapter 5, he, he flips the script a little bit. 
And he's no longer talking about himself, but he's talking about you and he's talking about me. He says, you are the light of the world. I mean, we're the only Jesus that this world's ever going to see. It's you and it's me. Everything that we've talked about up to this point, the communion, the purpose of Christianity, it's you and it's me because of the work of God. We're the light of the world. And if you can't make sense of that, then apply this passage from John chapter 9, verse 5. Jesus makes this very clear and it makes it all make perfect sense. John chapter 9, verse 5, Jesus says this, While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. When Jesus ascended into heaven and poured out the Holy Spirit, you became the light of the world. You became the only Jesus this world's ever going to see. Now think about this, and it should have a profound effect on our Christianity and how we function and how we view church. Oftentimes we come together, we have prayer meetings, and we're, we're asking Jesus to do things, asking God to do things. When Jesus has done something, and God has done something, God ordained the cross and the resurrection. Jesus stood before him and fulfilled the promise, and the Holy Spirit poured out upon me and you so that now we can do something because we are now the light of the world. I want to talk about light. Why light is so important. I want to ask a favor. Now, this is going to be a bit of a stretch. How many lights can we turn off? Like, without burning anything down. I mean, just see if you can kill them all. Kill the house lights. Just whatever we can do. Yeah, look at that. Now here we go. Now everyone's getting up and scrambling. Jesus never had that problem. <laughs> here we go. Well, don't have a conversation. Just push a button. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I should have brought a BB gun, right? Okay, well, that's plenty. That's okay. You don't have to, we don't have to go total dark, right? Now, there where you sit, you know, it got a little darker. Do you see that? You can see it? Do you feel like you're back in your youth at a concert? Huh? Don't go back in your unredeemed days now. Stay with me. But you see it, don't you? I mean, you don't have to answer out loud. You're welcome to, but you don't have to. Why do you see that? Mm. Yeah, I mean, let the wheels turn. Just think about that. Why do you see it? All right, you can get the lights back up. That's enough. Bringing them up. Turn the house lights up first. These people have sat in the dark too long. There we go. You want to know why you saw that? Based on the Scripture. Based on the scripture, the reason you saw that was because that light was overcoming the darkness. That's how it works. It's absolute. It never varies. It's never, well, you know, the circumstances weren't right, so it just really didn't work out. But you can take this down for your notes. You know, John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. Now, John chapter 1 is really awesome. I want to encourage you to read John chapter 1. It talks about the beginning 
It talks about Jesus. It talks about the origin of everything that we celebrate as believers. And in talking about the origin, the Scripture is required to talk about light. Because if you have a a, a bit of Bible IQ, you can recall in Genesis that when things began, when God initiated creation, He said, let there be light. You know, it was days later before He made the sun. Before He made the stars. The sources of light in our calendar and everything that we celebrate now. When He opened up the door for creation, it began with light. And so we learn a little bit about light here in John. John chapter 1 verses 4 and 5, it speaks of Jesus. Now in Jesus was life. And the life was the light of men. That's me and you. And that light shines into the darkness and the darkness did not or cannot overcome it. That's why when we hold up that lighter and turn off the lights, you can see it because that light's winning. You and I are the light of the world. We have a call and anointing on our lives to win over everything that the devil has poured into this world through deception and lies and corruption and sickness and disease and poverty. Now here's the biggest problem, the biggest struggle facing Christians. I want to give you a passage of Scripture. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on it, but I want to encourage you to spend some time on it. Luke chapter 11, verse 35. Jesus says something, and it sounds a bit like a riddle, but you have to understand that Jesus does not gain any stature by making people feel small in any way. He's absolutely void of any insecurity. He's not a brilliant guy that goes around flexing his mental muscle. He's not offering this as a riddle saying, well, I hope you figure that out and make it to heaven, but oh. But he's saying something. He's revealing something true so that that truth can enter into our lives. Here's what he says. He says, and he reveals the biggest problem, the struggle for Christians. He says, watch out, right? I mean, watch out. This is a a warning. Watch out. Watch out that the light in you is not darkness. It means we need to really pay attention to the things that are in us, the things that are illuminating from us. The reason why you could see that flame is it was there at the end of that lighter when the lights were out. Yeah, it was overcoming the darkness. But that light was traveling. It was moving from its source to you. Everything that we carry is moving from our lives. It's either good stuff or it's bad stuff. If you and I hang out with each other, we're sharing things. It's either good or it's bad. And it's important for us to surround ourselves with people that are filled with good things. I mean, the Scripture promises that bad company will corrupt good morals. Always. Not sometimes. But it's important for us to examine ourselves. What is the light inside of me? What is it that radiates from me? What is it that other people see when they look at me? What is it that other people receive when they're near me? Is it light? Is it darkness? Is it good? Is it evil? What is it?
that should provoke some thoughts. And for me, if you, if you think like I think, and, and you don't have to think like I think, I look at that and I begin to think, well, how do I know? How do I know? How can I be sure? I want to look at a passage of Scripture. We're going to read a, a lengthy passage here because it's a wonderful passage of Scripture. And I think it's one that we ought to read you know, together in our own time as, as we part ways from this place because it's really powerful. But in this passage of Scripture, we're going to find out how, how we can know if we are carrying light, the light that, that will make provision and help and assist and, and cause others to be able to see where they're going and lead them and guide them to safety. It's a bit of a test, if you will. I mean, we're going to read this passage and we're going to find out what do I need to look for to know if I'm carrying light. You can go there in your Bibles if you like. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 1. Now I want to read several passages here, so I'm going to go ahead and begin. It opens with this, Therefore be imitators of God. Now isn't that awesome? When you hear things like God is making you just like Jesus, that can be abrasive. It can make us think, well, now hold on, Sonny, that, that wasn't what I heard growing up in church. But then you read passages like this, and it's tough to argue. We have a call, an instruction to be imitators of God, to be just like Him. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave Himself up for you and offering a sacrifice to God. And then it goes on to say this, and now this is a very important passage. Listen very closely to these things. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you. There must be no filthiness, no dirty jokes. None of those things are fitting for the believer, but rather we should be thankful and give thanks. And this we know with certainty, that, that no immoral or impure person or covetous person who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of God. I mean, wow, right? And now here, here we come to light. Let no one deceive you with empty words. It's because of these things. Now, what are those these things? Well, all the immorality and all of that stuff. It's because of these things that the wrath of God comes. So basically what's being written here is, hey, let no one deceive you with words. If, if, you're, if you're in a place where, where the, the leadership, the spiritual leadership, the, the parental guidance or anyone says this stuff is okay, hey, be advised, they're wrong. They're deceiving you. They're lying. If you think you can be a believer and be immoral, you can't. If you think you can be a believer and, and walk in this corruption, these adulteries, this greed, it's a deception and you've been lied to. But now here comes hope. It's not some shaming. It's a directing. To direct us out of that and into this. Here's how it reads. Therefore, therefore, don't be partakers with them. See, there's the instruction. It's, hey, listen up. If you've been duped and you think you can be a believer and be immoral, if you think that you can be a believing husband and look at pornography, if you think that you can be a believing wife and gossip, if you think that you can be a giver and be greedy, you're wrong. So don't have anything to do with that. Now here's the instruction, which is really exciting. Therefore, don't be partakers with them. And now here's where we find out the change. Remember I told you we're going to find the change? 
for us as believers, there's a change that takes place. And you'll see it right here in the Scripture. For you were formerly darkness. Notice it doesn't say formerly in darkness. It just says you were formerly darkness. You were formerly darkness, but now you are light. Not in light, but you are light. Now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of the light. And now here comes that test where we can examine ourselves. It says, for the fruit of light, for the fruit of light is goodness, righteousness, and truth. Trying to learn what's pleasing to God. Don't participate in unfruitful things of darkness, but instead even expose them. It's disgraceful even to speak of those things, those things that are done in darkness and secret. But all things, now pay attention to this. We're going to revisit uh, some parts of this, but listen to this before we do. All things become visible when they're exposed by the light. And everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason, the scripture commands us and instructs us, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ Jesus will shine upon you. Now that last passage there, basically what that means is my life had a whole lot of garbage because I was formerly darkness. Then I become light thanks to Jesus and His light shines on all of my junk. Now, you know, I don't always dress like this. If you were to see me tomorrow or Tuesday or Wednesday, I'd be in work pants, work boots, a work shirt, and I'd have this little thing that my wife calls a scarf. It's not a scarf. It's not a scarf. But we come to church and we look our best, right? I mean, come on, you can, if you're not going to give me an amen, give me a <laughs> Yeah. Now, I understand that it's, it's a, a display of respect. We want to bring our best to God. But I think it's become a tradition that's really been crippling. We just want to look good in front of each other. I don't want you to see my junk. Now, the problem with that is if you never see my junk, it never becomes light. If it stays hidden, if it stays in the dark, if it stays in the shadows, it never becomes anything that glorifies God. It remains a destructive bondage that keeps me from living in my full potential in the kingdom of God. But there's a change that's meant to happen. We're meant to be taken out of darkness. We're meant to stop being darkness and move into light and become light. And all of our junk is meant to be exposed by that light, for this purpose, so that it can then become light. That's your testimony. I got all kinds of junk, and I have no problem talking about it. I can tell you every nasty picture I've ever looked at. I can tell you everything I've ever drank, every drug I've ever put in my body, and I'm not embarrassed by that because it no longer has a grip on me. And now it glorifies God. It does. It testifies of His power and His authority to set me free from the things that are looking to bind me and put me in slavery and captivity and destroy me. So we have to become a people who see that change and say, that's the change I want. That's what I'm signing up for right there. I just don't want to be a part of the go to church club, wear your jacket on Sunday club. I want to stop being darkness and start being light. And it's going to mean my stuff's got to be exposed. Now how we do that's important. I remember when I became a believer, I realized that I'd been forgiven. 
but I still had a lot of shame in my life. There were things that I was embarrassed about. And I just thought, well, you know, the reason why I'm embarrassed about these things is because I'm concerned someone's going to find out. So I'm just going to start telling people. Because Satan can't uncover what I've already revealed. So I called my mom. Hey, mom. You got a minute? Man, I went down a list of filth. It was real quiet on the other end. But you know, as that conversation, it wasn't really a conversation, it was a confession. As that progressed, I just began to feel liberated. Keep in mind, I'd already been a Christian. I was already going to heaven, right? But I was feeling the freedom and the effects that I should have felt. Because even though I'd been forgiven, I still carried all of that embarrassment and shame. Like, man, I'm a real dirtbag. So I called my mom and said, Mom, hey, your son's a real dirtbag. And I need to tell you some things. The reason why I'm calling you is because you're the last person that I would ever want to know these things. So I figured I'd start with you. And go down the list of things, and it's real quiet on the other end, you know, and I get done, and I say, and I think that's pretty much it. And it's just super quiet, you know. She says, son? I say, yeah. You know you don't have to tell everyone that, right? <laughs> you know what? She's right. I don't have to tell everyone that, but I can. But I can. Did you hear that? But I can. It's not in control of me anymore. It's not leading me. It doesn't have me bound. It doesn't give me, hey, we'll give you work leave. You can go to church on Sundays, but then you're back here and be back by noon. I'm free. So that test, you know, what are we looking for? Well, you know, if we planted a tree and you wanted to know, hey, what kind of tree is that? You'd look for the, the fruit of that tree, right? I mean, apple trees make apples and so on and so forth, right? So when we read that passage there in Ephesians, we see that light has fruit. If light is in my life, it says that the fruit of light is goodness and righteousness and truth. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. We can check our lives for those three things. Now, it's important for us to know what those are. I want to go through a series of scriptures here really quick. Goodness. Goodness. Acts chapter 10 verse 38 speaks of goodness as it speaks of Jesus Christ. It says this. I mean, I think that we think of goodness and we kind of think of being nice, right? Here's a biblical definition of goodness. Acts 10.38. Jesus is being spoken of here. And as he's being spoken of, the following is revealed. Now you know about Jesus of Nazareth and how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And that he then went about doing good. Okay, so we're about to find out what doing good is. Goodness, right? He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. That's what goodness needs to look like in our lives. Am I bringing people freedom from the affliction of the devil in their lives or am I just walking by saying, well, I hope you get over that. That looks pretty rough. Is my life devoted to getting down in the mud and helping someone out? 
being willing to put up with all of their junk and all of their garbage as they scratch and claw and kick back and don't want any help? Am I willing to give my life to see to it that they're set free from the bondage that Satan has them in? It's one of the things that we need to have in our life if we carry light. Another is righteousness. Righteousness. I want to give you a couple of passages of Scripture as it concerns righteousness. And in talking about righteousness, we're going to have to acknowledge sin. John 8.34 says that truly everyone that commits sin is a slave to sin. Romans 6.20, you might want to get that. It could be Jesus calling. Romans 6.20, it says that you were slaves of sin. And when you were slaves of sin, you had no righteousness. And Galatians 5.1 tells us this as it concerns freedom from sin and stepping into the righteousness of God. That it was for freedom. Freedom is the purpose and the point that Jesus set us free. And we have a call to keep standing in that so that we never become subject to slavery again. I've had a chance to be around a lot of Christians. And I've seen a lot of different mentalities. There are some that believe that they can never fall into bondage again. They would have a hard time reconciling that doctrine with that passage of Scripture. That passage of Scripture that says, Jesus set you free, and it was so that you could be free, but keep, that means continue, keep standing firm. And do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. We have a call and a duty, a responsibility to continue in righteousness in order to not fall into bondage. And that righteousness reveals that we're walking in light. And then that third evidence, truth. Truth. Jesus talks about this as it concerns being liberated from truth. In John chapter 8, beginning in verse 31, he said, If you continue in my word, you're truly disciples of mine. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. And that common connection between these things, between goodness and righteousness and truth, is all freedom from affliction, freedom from bondage, freedom from captivity, freedom from slavery. When we're walking in light, we're carrying and releasing and operating in the freedom that exists in Jesus Christ. I want to give you a passage of Scripture and I want us to turn there. We're going to look at this and then we're going to begin to close. I'd like for you to go to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Remember, we're speaking about light. And the reason why I want to wait for you, if you have your Bible or you have a way to turn there, is I would like for you to see this with your own eyes, just so that it has an impact. To pause and not just listen, because by this time you could have tuned me out. I can become white noise. Trust me, I've sat in church. I know all about it. But let's look at this together. 1 John chapter 1, I want to begin in verse 5. Now it's John that's writing and he says this, And this is the message we've heard from him. 
and that we announce to you. Now you could stop there and just let that blow your mind. Here's the Apostle John and he's saying, hey listen, this is what Jesus, this is what we've heard from God and he's commanded us, he's released us to come and bring it to you. So you're, you're having something revealed here. This is God speaking to you through John. The voice of God speaking directly to me and you. And it speaks these words. God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. That's absolute. And if we say that we have fellowship with Him and yet we continue to walk in darkness, we continue to do the dark things, we lie and we don't practice what's true. But if, can you say but if? Yeah, see, it's turning around here. But if, and it's introducing a condition. This is a choice now that you have and that I have, right? It's a choice. He says, but if. So here comes our choice. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from our sins. It goes on to say this in verse 9. That if we confess our sins, God is faithful and He's just to forgive us of our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. There's a couple of things that I want to acknowledge there as we begin to wind down. That last part, if we confess our sins. Did you hear another condition there? But if we confess our sins, it's a choice. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, and to purify us from all unrighteousness. I mean, I see two things there. Do you see that? I mean, there's forgiveness and there's purification. You remember when I told you a little bit about my life? I'd become a believer. I mean, my name was written in the Lamb's book of life. I had the eternal life that's promised in Jesus Christ, but I still felt slimy. Oh, I'd been forgiven, make no mistake. I'd given my life to Jesus, make no mistake, but something needed to happen before I could actually feel clean. I'd been forgiven. But it was when I began to confess my sins, when I began to depend upon the body of Christ, when I wasn't afraid of them, but I realized this is going to mean being vulnerable. This is going to mean you see my junk. I don't have to put on a show in front of you, but you know every nasty thing about me, and yet you still love me. It's then that we have that bond of unity that Jesus bled, died, and rose from the grave for. And it's then that I'm going to feel clean. When I'm no longer hiding this stuff, embarrassed and ashamed, well, I want you to think that I've got my act together, so don't look in the closet. Here's what I want for all of us. I want us to have our names written in the Lamb's book of life. I want us to believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Christ, the chosen one, the anointed one, the one that would carry the sin and the corruption of all the world upon his own body, nailed to the cross, satisfying the entire wrath of God. The word that the scripture uses is propitiation. It's a big word. You can look it up. 
I want us to all embrace that. I want us to believe in our hearts that God rose Jesus from the dead, exalted Him to His right hand to reign forevermore. I want that for us. But then I want there to be God's design in the church, the perfect environment of trust, vulnerability, and love, and grace for us to confess. So that we don't simply have our names recorded in the Lamb's book of life, but live out the rest of our days ineffective as believers. Not destroying the works of the devil, but enduring the works of the devil. I want us to be a people who have the cleansing power of confession. They don't see it as a punishment, but they see it as a privilege. It's my right as a child of God to come and confess my sin and be purified from that sin by the mercy and the grace of God who loves me so that I don't have to be led by this garbage that is destroying me and so that I can stop enduring the works of the devil and start destroying the works of the devil being just like Jesus. I mentioned to you that we're going to find out how to have light. Remember, we talked about how to know if you have light. Do you have those fruits in your lives? You know, goodness, righteousness, truth. If those fruits are in our lives, then, then light is present. But what happens if I examine my life and I don't see that? Am I just up the creek? Am I in trouble? What do I do? If I look at my life and I don't see the fruits of light, how do I get it? Jesus responds to that problem, that challenge, that issue in each one of our lives with these words. John chapter 8, verse 12. And in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus gives us this solution to the void or the absence of light in our lives. He says, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Did you hear that? This call to follow Jesus results in this wonderful impartation. Not just to be illuminated by Jesus Christ. Not just to have Him shine upon our lives where we feel better. As if we're moving close to a campfire to warm up. But as we follow Jesus Christ, He's making this promise that if we'll follow His lead, if we won't deviate from the path that He's leading us on, if we'll stand firm no matter how hard the world pulls on us to turn to the left or to the right, if we'll follow Jesus, the reward will be we will have. Will you say, I will have? Yeah, you'll have it, baby. The light of life. And as carriers of the light of life, the fruit that comes with it. Goodness. Righteousness. Truth. All that this world is in desperate need of to be set free from the afflictions that keep it bound. I 
I want to close the message here. And I want to pray over us. And during this prayer, I want to trust God to do something. I want to trust God to do something in every one of us. It's going to require a little bit of following instruction. Are, are you able to do that with me? I mean, I know we have our kids with us. I know that it's getting late and we're going to have to really dial in. But listen, this is not a one-man show. This is a team effort here. We're involved in this. This is us. We're in this together. So I want to give some instruction in how we're going to see the rest of the service through here. I'm going to go ahead and invite Pastor Jared and the worship team that's present with us to come back to the platform. But I want to pray something now as it concerns the word. I want to ask God to make it really clear to us, what does that word mean for me? What does it mean for me? And even if it means I, I need to rethink everything I've ever known about church or everything I've ever known about God or everything I've ever known about Jesus, if I have to rethink everything, so be it. I want us to have an opportunity to respond to that. Now that opportunity is going to come before we dismiss, but it's not going to come yet. What we are going to do right now is we're going to pray. I'm going to pray for you. But I'm going to ask that you focus, that you pay attention. Not necessarily to the words that I pray, but that you would just simply not be distracted, which is hard to do when you've got your kids with you, right? But I want to trust for a supernatural word to drown out every distraction. And I want to trust that God can minister something, speak something, very clearly to us this morning. If there's any need for that light in your life, if you realize, you know, much like I realized, hey, I've signed up for, for Christianity, but I still feel dirty inside. And what he just said, you know, it makes sense to me, and I want that. I want, to, I want that. I don't want to keep doing it the same way that I've always done it because it hasn't had the effect that I've been hoping for. I mean, maybe you haven't even signed up for Christianity. Maybe this is something that you just say, you know, I, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know the first thing about church, but when he was saying that, I just thought, my God, that's me, I need that. I want God to reveal to us what we need. And then before we leave here, it's even going to be after we celebrate water baptism, we're going to have an opportunity to respond to that need. But I want to pray right now that God will show you what you need. And that over the next 10 minutes or so, you won't forget it. And when we come back together to minister to that need, you'll respond with urgency to see to it that God meets you in that place where you desperately need Him. So this is the prayer that I want to pray over you. Father, we bless Your name. We thank You for the light that is Jesus Christ. And we thank You for the call 
that you've placed upon each one of us to be the light in this world. We rejoice in the anointing, the purpose. I ask in Jesus' name for myself and for everyone in the room, will you show us what we need as it concerns your light? Let it be revealed to us. Do we need to be born again? Do we need Jesus to be our Savior? Do we need to confess? Have we grown content with security eternally, but we walk in bondage? I'm asking for truth to prevail in each one of us. And that a genuine conviction to that truth would lead us to respond to you with great expectation of your goodness and your favor being released in our lives. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.